Thank you, Alan. Um, as I prepared for tonight, part of me almost thought, well, just put on the tape recording from, John, uh, from when I spoke on 1 John, because so much of what is said in 2 John, it's a shorter letter um, than 1 John, but essentially the message is very much the same uh, of what John is trying to write. So I thought, well, we'll just put on the tape recording, and that would be fine. Um, although, um, I can't remember how many of you were here when I did speak on 1 John. You can't even remember, can you? <laughs> That's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, there we are. That, that's all right. Um, just a couple of things by way of introduction. Um, why do we think uh, John wrote this letter? Because it doesn't say John wrote it. It's just called the Elder. That's how he addresses himself. Uh, so why do we think it is John? Now, I could bore you silly with all the um, theories and why it is John and why it isn't John. But I'll give you two reasons as to why I think it is John. And the first is because the teaching is so similar to what uh, the writer of 1 John wrote. Uh, and even some of the phrases uh, particularly, uh, I am not writing new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that you love one another. That is in 1 John. So we, we think uh, of that and think, well, it's so similar that it must be uh, John. But the, the um, way he addresses himself, the elder, it is generally agreed that uh, this is quite late on, uh, quite a number of years after Jesus was born, and all the other uh, um, apostles have, have died, and John is the only one left, the only one who, as it were, walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus. So he is now that elder person, that, that one who, who people look to uh, and say, well, he actually um, walked with Jesus, so he's the elder, if, you, if that makes any sense to you. So we think, most people think that it is John who... who uh, the Apostle. Um, but who's it written to? Because it says, the elder to the chosen lady and her children. Is this lady a specific person? And who are her children? Uh, well, we don't know, but it is generally thought, and again, I could bore you silly about all the theories about who, what, why and how, um, but I won't do that because otherwise we'll be here till midnight and I'm sure most of you would like to go home somewhere around half past seven, um, but it's generally thought that the chosen lady is a specific church and the children that he refers to are the members of that church. And uh, so uh, in verse 13 you have the children of your chosen sister send their greetings. So it's another church sending greetings. Now presumably um, the, the people who got this letter know who the children of your chosen sister send their greetings are, but we don't. We don't know which church it is, but it's generally thought that the chosen lady is a specific church uh, somewhere uh, in, in that area, you know, the Middle East, what we now call the Middle East, uh, and her children are the members. So you've got John writing to a specific church. Why is he writing? Well, because he's concerned, again, uh, and the same reason as he wrote 1 John, and I believe, I haven't done all the reading yet, but I believe that basically 3 John as well, is about the heresies that are springing up, or deceivers, as he calls them here. The, the, there's two types of deceivers, and I'll 
heresies. The first is the Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-S. Uh, comes from the Greek word for gnosis, to talk, which means knowledge. And uh, uh, these Gnostics are saying, you have to have a sort of a special type of knowledge, really, to really be a Christian, to, to know God. That, that There's something special that you've got to know. Um, and if you don't, then you can't possibly be a follower of God. Um, and basically, you, they were really saying, you had to be an intellectual to be able to understand it, you had to be an academic to, to get into what, what's being talked about. So, and John is writing to say, look, this is not true. And one of their things was that um, they said matter was evil, so God could not possibly have come in human form because the body was evil. He couldn't possibly uh, do that. And as you'll see later on, you know, that's really important. The other heresy, or was Judaizers going around and saying, well, look, you've got to continue to do the law, circumcision, etc., etc. And of course they too would say, uh, the Jewish people would say that uh, Jesus didn't, uh, wasn't God as well. So John is writing this letter for the same reason he wrote the first letter, is to try and correct people's uh, misunderstandings or to stop them following the seeds of going around preaching a different gospel to the one that had been preached to them. So what is John's message really in this very short letter? Well, and, and Alan has basically said it all. I was sitting there thinking, oh good, right, Alan's preached it. He, he said it all for me, which is great, so we'll just get on and go home. But, so the, the first thing is the priority of truth. As he, he says, uh, to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, not only, not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. And in verse 4, uh, or even verse 3, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father Son will be with us in truth and love. And verse 4, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth. Truth is really important. And the particular truth in this letter, as he says in verse 7, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. So the big truth that he's trying to say, you've got to believe what is really, really important, that Jesus was God. Jesus was and is God. The Gnostics were saying it couldn't possibly be true, uh, and the Jewish people were saying, no, no, as... as uh, as, Jesus, as they said to Jesus, how can you, a mere man, claim to be God? But it's really important. And, and if there's one truth, the, the really important truth that we have to hold on to, it is the fact that Jesus has come, uh, God has come in the flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. That God incarnate, and not just the birth, but the whole of his life, it's God who is in the flesh. So, so important. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul... Uh, John says here, any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Anybody who's saying that Jesus isn't God is the deceiver and the antichrist. I, I seem to remember when I was a teenage years, there was sort of lots of discussion around who the antichrist was or who's this particular person. What it seems to be here that John is saying is actually the antichrist is not a person but a system of belief and particularly that belief that says Jesus is not and was not God because he couldn't possibly be. So that's a really interesting thing that as I've read this, I thought, well, yeah, it's not, such, not a person as such, but it's a system of belief. And anybody who's saying it 
is, according to John, the Antichrist. And there are plenty of religious beliefs around today and plenty of people who say, of course it's not true. But this is, there are some truths that we have to hold on as fundamental. And possibly this is the most fundamental. That Jesus is God. And Jesus is the exact representation, as Paul says. I was reading something this afternoon about it. That Jesus, if we want to know God, yeah, we look at Jesus. If we want to know what God is like, we have to look at Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact representation of God. And the fullness of God dwells and dwelt in him. That is so, so important. And so John is saying, you've got to hold on to this particular truth. And we could go through a number of truths that are so important. But one of the things, and uh, this is something Alan was saying, that I've also been reading recently, uh, is that we have to be so careful about what we say. The Pharisees, and, and Saul, Paul was one of these, believed absolutely that they were right. That they knew the truth as it was in the Old Testament. And, and Saul went round persecuting the Christians because he was... He was defending what he believed to be the truth. And the interesting thing is, of course, that we now look at it and go, well, how did they miss what was in the Old Testament? How? It's so obvious to us what was there and what was being said and how it's meant to be interpreted and all of that. But Paul, Saul and all the other Pharisees were so convinced they knew the truth. And Jesus himself said, you know, you've searched the scriptures, you want to know, and, and, and yet they missed it. And so while we need to defend the truth, we also need to be humble enough to acknowledge that maybe we haven't got absolutely everything right. That there are bits that we we hold dear about the way we do things and some other things and the way we express ourselves. That sometimes, well, have we got it wrong? And, And even here, he's saying, many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Are we continuing in the teaching of Christ? Have we missed something? And, and you know, are we continuing in the truth? And the priority, priority of truth is so important. And when we really know the truth, when God reveals it to us, as he did to Saul, in the most dramatic way, as you say, but as God revealed himself to Paul, you know, we are set free. When we really know the truth, we are set free. So the first thing that uh, John is talking about here is the priority of truth. And we need to continually be asking God to lead us into all truth. Not just our own cultural truth sometimes. Some, sometimes we, we have such a culture that we miss things and we need to ensure that we are following the truth and not what we have been brought up to believe. But secondly, the other priority is a very obvious one and it's a priority of love. You know, and he says, you know, I ask that we love one another and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. John, in his first letter, says, this is how we know what love is. You know, God loved us first. And we know what love is because God sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he, he says, the new command is, love one another. Love one another. And every, anyone who says that uh, he, he, he knows love, but does not love his brother, cannot be 
in that love. And this is love. What John is saying is that if we say we love God and we love our fellow man, we, are, we live and walk in obedience to his command, what God tells us to do. And you know, the church, I mean, this is so obvious, it's almost second nature to us, and, but we have to love one another. It is a command of God. And yet, if we're really honest, it's not always easy to love one another. We do sometimes rub each other up the wrong way. There are personality clashes, but we still need to love one another. And the church is to be that example of what love really is. Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And it's when churches fall out and there's not love there that actually the name of Jesus is dishonoured. So we need to love one another, we need to be forgiving one another. And you know, the church, not just here, but the church of Jesus Christ is full of people from different nationalities and different cultures and, and yet we come together. We're united in Christ and we must love one another. This is love as we, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you humbly, acknowledging that sometimes we can deceive ourselves. And we ask that you will help us, teach us, teach us the truth. And where we have got things wrong, show us, Lord. And lead us into all truth, that we might be truly free. And Lord, one of your commands is to love one another. Help us to do that. Lord, we need your help at times. Some people, Lord, are easy to love. Others, it's harder. But Lord, we want to obey you. We want to do that which is right. And follow in your steps by loving one another. So help us in that, Lord. Fill us with your spirit that we might know the truth and we might walk in love. In Jesus' name. Amen.